Good evening, Sports Zodians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglialoro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed through all the various podcasting outlets. So we thank you, as always, for joining us, no matter how you join us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Bullhorn, rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. And we got a good show for you tonight, folks. We will be joined by Dave Hastings in a matter of moments here. We got a lot to talk about tonight. We have nine weeks of the NFL season in the books. And, of course, we will be talking about the latest chapter in that book there, week nine in the books. Dallas does lose going into Philadelphia. A number of other things which we'll get into here. Uh, Giants get dominated by a Raiders team fresh off a coaching change as middle of last week out of nowhere seemingly Josh McDaniel and the uh, Oakland GM were relieved of their duties the new head coach of the Oakland Raiders Antonio Pierce former Giants and Josh Jacobs put on a bit of a show there and the uh, the Raiders do down the Giants who lose Daniel Jones for the season So I'm sure we will get into that. A lot of other stuff happened. And, uh, of course, the Chargers. I don't think anybody really thought that the – I mean, the Jets' defense is always a threat, but in terms of that offense, you say it all the time, all Zach Wilson, all the Jets need him to do is not turn over the ball. They had three big fumbles in that game. Chargers dominated them 27-6. to Um. And then, of course, we'll talk a little baseball tonight. Um, new head, co- new manager for the New York Mets. Uh, big day uh, on Monday in the world of baseball in terms of all the manager dominoes start to fall here. Stephen Voigt, former uh, major league player with the Oakland A's, uh, new manager of the Cleveland Guardians after Terry Francona stepped down. The big surprise, Craig Council. It had been rumored that he was looking to have the top set the record for manager salaries there at $8 million a year, which was once held by Joe Torre. Um, And he gets it in a very surprising place. Uh, The Mets seemed like the front runner for Craig Council for much of the offseason. It seemed like he was either going to go to the Mets or he was going to go back to Milwaukee. That, That really seemed like the only two places he was really going to go. And we find out the Mets are hiring Carlos Mendoza, the former bench coach of Aaron Boone for the New York Yankees. And listen, my attitude on this is real simple. I've said for the longest time, not a fan of the first year managers, not saying they couldn't work, but we as Met fans have seen enough iterations between Mickey Calloway and Louis Rojas to not necessarily feel the need to jump back into that. I didn't want Buck Showalter fired, folks. And I I would have been okay with Craig Council simply because he's not a first-time manager. I'm not going to pretend that I was totally 
you know, jumping up and down for joy over the prospect of Craig Council because there is a difference between managing in a small market town like Milwaukee and coming to Queens in New York where you get idiots like Salicott and Brandon Tierney on the fan all day long. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I don't hate the reasons that Council didn't come. If that was part of the reasons, apparently the Mets didn't want to go to $8 million with them. So I, by, before I tell you where Council ended up, just my final thoughts here on Mets hiring Mendoza. All right, maybe he could work, maybe not. Seems like very well-regarded and highly respected baseball man. I would have liked a manager with some experience here as opposed to this is your first bite at the apple. Let's see what you got here. And yes, it really would have been better in terms of optics if the Mets did not hire the bench coach of the only manager in New York who takes more shit than whoever the Mets manager is, Aaron Boone. So that part right there, like I said, there's always got to be something optics-wise that just makes you go, you, Mets are going to Met. And there you go. There's the optics on that. We hired Aaron Boone's bench coach. But I, I'm willing to give him a shot and everything, and we'll just see what happens there. But, yeah, that takes us to Craig Council. Where does he end up? He gets his $8 million a year, $40 million for five seasons. So he gets it with the Chicago Cubs, who had a head coach in David Ross, who they summarily dismissed when this signing was announced, which is generally frowned upon. But uh, this... To my knowledge, this is not the first time that the Cubs organization in particular has done something like this because I can't remember who the manager was off the top of my head when um, Joe Madden was brought in, but I'm pretty sure they had an existing manager who got the boot as soon as they were able to acquire Joe Madden as their manager. So, like, they'll be the ones to do something like this. I... I the idea of um, going, you know, negotiating for a job that already has somebody doing it. Again, that's generally frowned upon in baseball. And I can remember back in 2008 when the speculation about where the Mets going to fire Willie Randolph was going around. Someone stuck a microphone in Gary Carter's face, former Hall of Fame catcher for the New York Mets there on the 86 team. Whole deal. Stuck a microphone in his face and said, what would you think of the Mets? It was something to the effect of, what do you think of what's going on with Willie Randolph? Do you think they're going to fire him? And he, his answer was something to the effect of, well, you know, if they need a manager, I'm available. And he took a lot of shit in the press and from fans for that one. And I've, I've always believed rightfully so on that one because you don't petition for another man's job. That's kind of one of those unwritten baseball code of conduct rules right there. So for that to happen is... Again, not the first time the Cubs have done it, but it's just you, you kind of shake your head at that one. Um, but, you know, Council, decent manager. Cubs, you know, had a playoff spot all but locked up a month left into this past season, and then they kind of blew that one. So, yeah, um, I get why they did it. Uh, David Ross has been manager of the Cubs for a few years now, and – my way of thinking, it, it was sort of on like kind of that, that the, the last bit of the decline after the 2016 team won the championship. He's basically overseeing kind of the breakup of that team. 
And, you know, they're very much kind of in a rebuilding mode there. And they did take more of a step forward this year than I think anybody really thought they would heading into the season. Couldn't really end it strong, though. So David Rush showing the door. Craig Council in as the new manager of the Cubs. And the Mets get Carlos Mendoza as their manager. And this is going to be a very interesting offseason, folks. And they just announced which players were uh, offered qualifying offers uh, as free agent agency approaches. And only seven players get um, hit with the qualifying offer, which to my way of thinking is among the lowest numbers of players we've seen giving qualifying offers in postseasons in recent memory. Um, Shohei Otani, Aaron Nola of the Philadelphia Phillies, Blake Snell of the San Diego Padres, Josh Hader also of the San Diego Padres, Matt Chapman of the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'm not going to remember the final two off the top of my head there. But I I wasn't totally surprised by the full list of names. This is not a strong offseason for free agency. And I think the fact that you only see seven players hit with that franchise tag, which of course means that if a player who received a qualifying offer gets signed by an opposing team, that team has to relinquish draft pick compensation to that player's former team there. Uh, it makes sense that uh, because the qualifying offer is up to $20 million from the season. As we go forward in years here, it continues to be records and records and records. That's the highest it's been so far. I think when they first started doing this, I think it was like $12 million was the qualifying offer for a one-year deal. Now we're up to $20 million on that one. And with some of the names that were available in free agency, it makes sense that the teams themselves did not want to put themselves in a position where, you know, that you hit a player with a qualifying offer in hopes of what happens if he leaves you and then what happens if the player takes the qualifying offer? And we've seen that happen in recent years. Jock Peterson and Martin Perez were given a qualifying offer last year by the Giants and Texas Rangers. Good players, but maybe not necessarily worth 18 or $19 million a season there. They both took that money. No fault of their own there. And, you know, I, I, I don't even remember hearing Martin Perez's name in terms of anything he did this postseason so and yeah cody bellinger and sunny gray are the other two people who received qualifying offers and uh declined them um sunny gray as far as i know they have till friday i believe to accept or oh they have till next tuesday so a week from today to accept or decline these Bellinger is not going to take the qualifying offer because he, he made himself a lot of money with his comeback season this year. Sonny Gray, I could actually see taking that qualifying offer because he is in his early to mid-30s now. Definitely did not do for the Yankees what they had hoped he was going to do when they traded for him a number of years ago. Has kind of rebounded since then and you know done well with smaller market teams. Obviously not teams that have the pressure of New York on them. But I, I just I just wonder if other teams would really be willing to give him a two- or three-year deal or if he would think he would get that. So there's that. Um, but Chapman is probably going to not sign the qualifying off because there will be a team 
that gives him a, a big uh, contract because he is uh, one of the top defensive third basemen in the league. Um, and obviously, Hayter, Nola, and Snell are not signing the qualifying offer. They're going to hit free agency. And I don't think we even really need to broach that subject with Otani. He's obviously going to be the big catch this offseason. But you look at some of the players who don't did not receive the qualifying offer. Maybe the guys the Mets consider bringing in as like a veteran bad who they otherwise would not have brought in if he was given the qualifying offer, like Jorge Soler, Teoscar Hernandez. Reese Hoskins is now a free agent who was the starting first baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. Got hurt, uh, lost for the season uh, in tr- spring training, I believe. And I, I think there's a possibility the Phillies do not bring him back because, he, you know, he's more of a first baseman DH type. You already have Kyle Schwarber. You already have Nick Castellanos. Not exactly defensively gifted outfielders. And, you know, Bryce Harper played a lot more free uh, first base over this past season coming back from Tommy John surgery. And you would think that they, uh, over the course of Harper's giant contract, they would want to, you know, um, sustain his durability there, maybe moving to first base instead of keeping him in the outfield. So I can see him being out there, but that is a guy who was a 30 home running year guy. And JD Martinez obviously is a free agent. Um, I, I, I've said this before. I don't see the Mets doing a lot in terms of free agent signing for offensive players. Maybe one veteran DH type, fourth outfielder type bat. Maybe it'd be nice, you know, when they finally wave Daniel Vogelbach, I think it'll be very nice. Um, but, you know, get someone who can kind of do what he do, do, was expected to do, but better. Vogelbach sucked. But obviously pitching is going to be the big focus for the Mets this offseason there. And I'll I'll say this again. Of the players who got hit with the qualifying offer, I can – Otani, the Mets will go after, and they will sign him if they have have the ability to. Outside of that, the only one I think the Mets would consider making a play for is Josh Hader. Depends on how much they think he's got left in the tank there. And obviously – Stearns, the new um, president of baseball operations for the Mets, he's the guy that traded Hader away, and he has admitted that that was a bad trade. So it's a possibility. I I don't know if they put that much money on the table for a relief pitcher. As much as the Mets need to do something about their bullpen, and that would be a good way to do it, having him and um, Edwin Diaz at the back of the bullpen. You still have Brooks Raley. Thankfully, Adam Adovino. Um, exercised uh, his option. He's he's hitting free agency. He's not staying with the Mets. Thank Christ for that. Um, it would be nice, but as we've said before, as much as the Mets do need a solid bullpen, bullpen arms tend to be the most volatile assets in all of baseball. So, I can, he's the one I could see them making a play for. I don't know if I could see them making a play. That's the only thing on that one. But this is this. Does open up the door. Uh, Your Lucas Giolitos, who had a uh, very poor season this year, but was considered a decent arm as recently as last season there and is not too old. Jordan Montgomery is available, but I think of all the starting pitchers on the market, Montgomery is probably the guy who raised his stock the most this past season uh, with with what he did, not only after he came to Texas, but what he did in the postseason. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a contract offer for like $100 million or something like that, just off of what he did this season. Uh, and I don't know that the Mets will go that high on anybody. I think they would do a one- or two-year uh, deal, maybe three years, if it's someone who they feel could fit with their core, which they hope their young players are only about a year or two away. So that's basically the long and short of it. First domino has fallen in the offseason. Mets have a new manager. And we have seven players who have been given the qualifying offer. So we'll just see what happens there. But with all that, ladies and gentlemen, he is with us tonight. Dave Hastings is with us. Dave, how you doing? Not too bad, Mike. Not too bad. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm hanging in there. I, I didn't really... Get to tell you this, I'll say this very briefly. My brother got married last week, so it was it was a very good, very fun weekend. The wedding was uh, a whole lot of fun. And I'm going to say this. My brother does this thing uh, to fuck with his now wife, Annette, when we're watching football games with the family or whatever. Um, in the commercial breaks, he will, he on his Alexa, he'll crank up old NFL theme songs, like with the... Uh, uh, the old Raiders theme song, the NFL on Fox theme song, just different songs like that. Everybody's doing speeches or whatever at the wedding. And then my brother gets up and busts out a fucking saxophone and starts playing the NFL on Fox theme right in the middle. He played five songs. It was fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he was having some good time as well. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So that was the most unexpected thing out of the weekend. But if you know anything about me and my sister, to see him do that, that was right on brand for being an Aguilaloro sibling. So that was perfect. Oh, then I'm even happier to hear that he did it. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. All right, but I think with that, NFL Week 9 is in the books. And I'll run down the slate here. Exciting weekend of football. C.J. Stroud breaks a rookie passing record, wins the game for the Houston Texans over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Antonio Pierce's first game as uh, Las Vegas Raiders head coach. They dominate the New York Giants. Good Sunday night game between Cincinnati, who beat Buffalo there. Chargers dominate the Jets. And we had a bunch of other stuff, too. You kind of called it last week, though, with Philadelphia and the Cowboys. Obviously, the game in Philadelphia did look like the Cowboys were giving them a good fight early. But then in that second half there, Philadelphia took over and they did win the game 28 to 23. Uh, I mean, look, I I wouldn't say Philadelphia took over. Um, I would say overall it was a pretty close game. Uh, throughout the game, uh, both teams played pretty well, and uh, it really just boiled down to you know the old Al Pacino line uh, of it's a game of inches, and you know a couple plays here and there by Dallas where they fell short by a couple inches, um, you know a couple missed calls, but you know it's fair to say there was missed calls on both sides of the ball, so I'm not gonna to sit there and point fingers at the referee because obviously that's your uh, easy scapegoat excuse on why your team lost. Um, Mm. But when it's all said and done, I mean, we got the game you hoped for out of these two teams. You know, as a Cowboy fan, I think most people were worried about, you know, a blowout and and going through what they went through after the San Francisco game. 
Um, I think that as a Philly fan, you were wondering if they're, you know, what what the turnovers were going to look like, if there were going to be turnovers. Um, and I mean, Philly fumbled the ball three times, managed to recover all three of them. Um, you know, Dak Prescott stepping out of bounds about a yard and a half short on a two point conversion. That would have gave them the ability to tie the game at the end, um, force overtime. Uh, you have uh, the final play of the game, you know, where C.D. Lamb gets tackled a few yards short of the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. Um, but overall, you really kind of got the game you hoped for, you know, if you're just a casual NFL fan and just wanted to watch two good teams play each other. Um, I think most people went into the season expecting the two teams to split. And, you know, now it's on Dallas to kind of hold serve. And, you know, based off of what the next three or four weeks look like, if Dallas handles their business and, you know, Philly's got Miami, Buffalo and Kansas City on their schedule. So those are going to be some tough games for them and, you know, not the easiest games for them to win. Um, so, you know, one or two losses out of those three games. And, and when they play in week 14 could be for first place in the division. So. Um, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan, I, I don't think you need to hold your head down. Uh, I think you need to be pretty worried about the lack of an ability to run the ball still taking place. Uh, I think you need to be worried about your right tackle, uh, Terrence Steele playing really inconsistent. Um, but you know, it was great to have a big game and, and see Dak play really well so that, you know, his haters can't just keep point saying, Oh, he can't win anything. He sucks, blah, blah, blah. Um, defense overall played pretty well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Eagles, if there's one thing they've shown all year is they know how to figure out ways to win and they figured out another way to win this year, uh, this week. And, you know, you got to just kind of tip your hat to them and, and move on to the next week. And I mean, if you're Dallas, you want to talk about a great rebound game. They, you know, 12 game win streak at home, hosting the New York giants, playing their third string quarterback and, you know, uh, a team that's reeling uh, all over the place right now and coming off a really bad loss to, to the Raiders and not really much hope in sight for that team uh, when you look at them right now. So mm -hmm. Philly goes into their bye week and, you know, we keep rolling. Yep. You're right. We will see them again. So hold serve. I definitely agree with you on that one. Hopefully we're able to do that. But we'll we'll talk about the Giants game next here because uh, obviously the big story heading into the game, middle of last week, Josh McDaniels and the Oakland general manager let go of uh, by Mark Davis, Antonio Pierce, former Giants, great linebacker, named the head coach, and apparently we uh, I believe it was Jay Glazer on Fox reported on Sunday that kind of the tipping point was a, a players meeting. Uh, with the head coach and Antonio Pierce was there and McDaniel had spoken to the players and the players weren't really moved or anything. Pierce starts talking about his 2007 Giants team and how they felt like they could take on anybody. And that was the energy he felt they needed to bring. Players all felt really good about it. Mark Davis felt really good about it. Josh McDaniels goes up to Antonio Pierce and goes, never talk about the Patriots that way again. And apparently that is what led to Mark Davis uh, firing Josh McDaniel. What did you think when you heard this? I, I mean, to me, um, a talk about being sensitive, uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, you're, 
the greatest achievement of your career is going to boil down to being the offensive coordinator with Tom Brady, a quarterback who probably could have had any offensive coordinator and did the things that he did. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I think the, what I thought was the craziest thing about this whole situation is with the firing of McDaniels, the general manager, and don't forget they fired their offensive coordinator. Right. Plus the firing of John Gruden or, you know, John Gruden, you know, walking away, however you want to say it. Um, Al Davis is on the hook for all for all these people that no longer work for him. Mm-hmm. When you add up the total amount of money he owes them, it's $85 million. And their contracts are all guaranteed money. Mm. Just so one, is, one, yep. Uh, sorry, Dave, just one career. It was Mark Davis, not Al Davis. Oh, uh, sorry. Rest yep. in peace, Al Davis. Just win, baby. Right on. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that that's that's when you know you got stupid amounts of money when you're like, yeah, I'll just be in the hole for 85 million and not lose a second of sleep over it. So um, that's just crazy to me. Um, their only chance of any leeway is if something came out where like Gruden really did break the rules or did something you know, that he couldn't have done. Uh, that might be a loophole in this contract, but I, I don't think that's going to happen because he'll pretty much bring down most of the NFL with him if he if they go after him. Um, so yeah, you're kind of stuck with that one. Uh, so 85 mil there. Antonio Pierce, look, man, the the play, you know, Devontae Adams came out and was like, "I'll run through a wall for him." Uh, you saw the energy and attitude that the team played with, and yeah, I mean, now you're in a position where the Giants are. Uh, or whether where the Raiders are, you know, in a similar situation to just two years ago, or was it last year when Gruden left, and you know they had the interim head coach, they won like seven in a row, just missed the playoffs. Players loved them, the other coaches loved them, and they still fired them and went and got Josh McDaniels. And it's going to be interesting to see if they pull the same crap with uh, Antonio Pierce. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Pierce was ready to be a head coach, but you know, when things work, sometimes you, you just push forward and, and see where it takes you. So um very intrigued to see how that all unfolds when the end of the year comes. And, you know, are they able to go on a run like they did uh, once Gruden left? But yeah, I mean, the giants, the giants are just in trouble. I felt bad for Daniel Jones missed a couple weeks with the, with the neck injury comes back and now tears his ACL. <laughs> Like, I just feel bad for the guy and for the Giants. There, next year his money's fully guaranteed. So, even if you want to, uh, you know, move on from him, you still got to pay the guy. So that that's going to be an interesting situation there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely curious to see uh, how they handle all that. I mean, I think you still got to take your quarterback of the future and. I heard uh, Monty Toomer on uh, ESPN radio this morning talking about how, you know, it ro- reminds him a lot of the year in like 03, 04 when they had Hostedler and, um, you know, they still ended up taking Eli Manning um, and they had a rough start to the year. Hostedler got injured and Eli Manning. Uh, Warner. Warner. Or, sorry, Kurt Warner. I knew it was an older <laughs> quarterback. Uh, Hostedler um, was with Phil Simms. Yes, my bad. It's got on me yep. up right now. Yeah, um, no, that's cool. But yeah, so Monty Toomer said he 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 uh, he finds it very similar to what uh, he saw back then. Um, 
And if I'm the Giants, I, look, I, look, the players and the coaches are going to keep trying to win games. Um, you know, we saw that with uh, the Texans last year. Um, you know, the coaches and players are, are going to fight and, and do everything they can to win because, A, it's it's their career and their, their future. Um, and, and they're prideful guys. You know, you, you don't make it to that level unless you unless pride and, and talent, you know, push you to a certain level of uh, execution and success. So um, it'll be interesting to see because if you're a Giants fan, I mean, at this point, I'd rather lose out and have a chance for the number one pick. Um, you know, just kind of, yeah, accept the fact that this is a lost year. But, you know, we got to wait and see and, and how things unfold. And, you know, as a Cowboys fan, I definitely expect a, a, a good game from them uh, on Sunday. But I think uh, – I, I don't know if I'd take the 16-and-a-half-point spread, but it was it was a r- rough loss for the Giants this week and a nice rebound, a nice win for Antonio Pierce. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, and – then just a few other notes here. Uh, the the Houston Tampa Bay game definitely was a back and forth affair. I mentioned C.J. Stroud, four hundred seventy passing yards, I believe it was, sets the rookie record. Um, five touchdowns to thirty for forty two completions. So definitely a fantastic game there by him. What do you think of that game? I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Yeah, me and uh, me and Amanda went out to watch the Cowboys Eagles game. Since you know, I live in northern New Jersey, so instead we had to watch the Giants game. So I tell you, we... I've actually I've actually been doing that NFL Plus thing where it's like thirteen bucks. You get Red Zone and you get to watch the local games on your phone. Yeah, I've been doing it. Yeah. Uh, uh don't have that and so yeah we ended up at the bar and spent the hell of a lot more than 13 dollars but anyway yeah so uh got to watch that game that was nuts that back and forth um you know when houston uh gave up that touchdown late to tampa bay uh you know i think there was like a minute and 12 seconds or something like that left uh, definitely did not expect to see that uh, Houston drive all the way down the field and, and score to win the game. But um, I think it's fair to say from what we've seen so far, Stroud is probably the real deal. Um, and that Houston Texans team is a nice young core. And, you know, if they, they stick with the uh, the game plan and, and, and do the right things when it comes down to drafting and free agency, uh, they have a hell of a chance to turn that franchise around um and get back to the uh days of deandre hopkins and and uh um wow why am i forgetting his name he's on cleveland was that what was that watson sean watson sean watson and deandre hopkins and i mean i remember Ari and Faust. i mean they they were a pretty competitive team so i mean they have a chance to turn that around um, so it's nice to see and uh you know dallas only has to play him once every four years so i'm not gonna lose too much sleep (laughs) All right. Yeah. And uh, Baltimore blows out um, Seattle there. Uh, decent Thursday night game between Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Will Levis, unfortunately, could not help follow up his big uh, first week performance there. But Pittsburgh's defense has been playing a little better the last few weeks. Uh, Cle- uh, Kansas City stayed to a big lead early against Miami over in Germany. There is able to hold on 21 to 14. Uh, Minnesota with Josh Dobbs. Another late 
late game heroics there. They beat Atlanta 31-28. Cleveland blows the doors off Arizona 27-0, even though Kyler Murray may wind up playing this week. And Green Bay takes out the Rams 20-3 without Matt Stafford. I think this was another um, late game theatrics there. Washington and uh, New England. Washington beats the Patriots 20-17. And New Orleans beats the Bears 24-17 there. So, anything else stand out to you, Dave? I mean, I think think talking about that Minnesota game with, with what Josh Dobbs did, I mean, the guy didn't even know his teammates' names. There's (laughs) There's <laughs> clips of him on the sideline practicing the snap counts with, with the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to be traded and, you know, three days later, you're, you're stepping on the field with an offense that you've literally never worked with. And to be able to tough out a, a win on the road um, deserves nothing but, but respect. Um, now, I do think things with Josh Dobbs balance out. I mean, there's a reason Arizona was willing to trade the guy. So, um, But if you're Minnesota, I mean, their next four games are all winnable games, and, and they could be right there with Detroit fighting for the division. So um, I think that'll be interesting. I definitely think that, you know, when you look at the Ravens at home, they beat Seattle 37-3, and I think they beat uh, Detroit 31-9. Um, so that's, that's 68 to 12 against two of the better teams in the NFC. Um, Baltimore is just playing really good football right now. They're already two and one in their division. Um, but they do have a hell of a schedule coming up. Uh, but I do think, uh, there is a great chance that in the AFC, you end up potentially seeing all four AFC North teams in the playoffs. Uh, right now, all four are in and, um, you know, Pittsburgh, to me, is probably the only team that may not be able to pull it out. Um, but there's no ifs, ands, or buts in my mind that you're probably going to – you're definitely going to see Baltimore and Cincinnati there. And Cleveland, if offensively they can do, move the ball and put up some points, that defense is one of the top, you know, probably three or four in the league. So uh, no real reason to think that they can't uh, pull it out either. So um, I think that's definitely worth touching on. I think uh, Miami losing to Kansas City. Uh, Miami against winning teams with winning records are like one and three, and teams with losing records are undefeated. Um, so, you know, they. I think losing that rookie uh, running back is really kind of shined its ugly head on him because that kid was pretty special um, and gave them a nice balance between their running backs, kept everybody fresh. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if Miami balances out a little bit more or, you know, are they a pretty good team but not ready to take that next step and be up there with, you know, some of the other teams in the AFC. Um, the Patriots just suck. Uh, there's nothing else <laughs> to say. They suck. Um, I, just, I just read a report online, and I don't know if it's true or not. It's – I don't know if you've seen this guy on Twitter. His name is Dove Kleiman. I believe he's a writer for BurrowBible.com. So take this with a grain of salt. But what I saw says that his he, he is reporting that there is a possibility if the Patriots lose this weekend, uh, and I think they're playing the Raiders this weekend in London, That but if they lose that game, there is a possibility. Uh, uh, New England playing uh, the Colts in London. There's a possibility that, or Germany, there's a possibility Belichick would not finish the season out as the Patriots head coach. 
Uh, I mean, he, the rings he's won, I think, buys him a little leeway, but in, I, th- I think he's the one that makes the choice if he walks away in the middle of the year. And yeah, I, just I can't. Don't, I, I don't think he will. Mm-hmm. I can't see him being a midseason termination. I can't see that happening. Yeah. No way. No, you don't yeah. help a franchise win five or five or six Super Bowls and and then get kicked out the door halfway halfway through a season. Just and Kraft has too much respect for him. So yeah, they uh, would have uh, to be a big falling out for that to happen, in my opinion. Yeah. So I mean, that'll be interesting to see. But I think if he walk if he does walk away from New England, it'll be at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, you got the Sunday night game, Bills, Bengals. I mean, it was a close game, but the Bills are just, they're not the team we expected them to be this year. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of interesting because I think a lot of it has to do with them not having, uh, Dable, um, cause they've kind of declined since he's left. I think mm-hmm. he just had a coach, Josh Allen as an offensive coordinator and, you know, obviously the Giants hired him, hoping he might be able to do the same with Daniel Jones. But Josh Allen is obviously more talented. I just, I mean, he's a turnover machine right now. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow, excuse me, is playing out of his mind. So that was uh, a potential playoff matchup. But based off of how the Bills trend the rest of the year, that could that Bills team might be on the outside looking in. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, and then if you're a Jets fan, just talk about a shitload of disappointment, man. <laughs> like they going into that game, every AFC East opponent, uh, team in your division lost, uh, had a chance to win that game at home on Monday night and, and be one game from first place in your own division and just offense, no show the offensive line played like crap. Zach Wilson played like crap. The receivers weren't playing good. The running backs weren't playing great. The defense showed up and held strong as long as they could. But when your offense keeps turning over the ball and you got to be out there for 40, 50 snaps, I mean, even still, like what's crazy to me is that the Jets literally outgained the Chargers. The Jets had 270 yards compared to 191 yards for the Chargers and still lost 27 to 6. They outpassed them by 90 or 9 or yeah, 99 yards. They got outrushed by 20 yards. They had three more first downs, but they were 3 for 17 on third down. They gave up eight sacks. They had eight penalties. They lost three fumbles. They controlled time of possession by almost 10 full minutes. And they still got outscored 27 to 6. I mean, you got a punt return touchdown in there. So the offense scored 20 points to the Jets' six. There's not a single game this season the Jets have scored more than two touchdowns in a game. And I, it's just I, you just got to feel bad for Jets cha- team, uh, the Jets fans. I mean, th- this Jets team literally has a Super Bowl caliber defense, and they have a top five pick offense. Yeah. And we're playing. We're living in an offensive world, uh, offensive world, and playing in an offensive league. So, and you're not the Baltimore freaking Ravens. 
Like it's a great defense, but it's not a general generational defense. Mm-hmm. And to think about, I mean, as a fan, if my team outgained the other team by almost a hundred, like literally a full trip down the end zone, down the field, and we're still losing by twenty-one. Are you freaking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like. I just feel for Jets fans, man. It just sucks. And the Chargers get back to 500, stay competitive in their division, stay right there in the playoff race. And, I mean, you look at that team, you, you got to believe they're talented enough that they could, you know, make a run and, and fight for a playoff spot. But, yeah, I just I just feel bad for Jets fans. So, those mm. would be Dave's insights to <laughs> week nine of the NFL season. And also, how the fuck are we at week nine? That's or, crazy, I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry. How are we going into week ten? Like, we are officially more than halfway through the NFL season. Like it is what ridiculous. The fuck? Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you there. And the only thing I'll throw in uh, for the Jets there, I mean, we've said it many times on this show. All they really need Zach Wilson to do is not turn over the ball. And you have three fumbles in a the game there. That's that's pretty bad. And yeah, I will say this. Going into last night's game there, I was just very happy happy that I had already kind of locked up a win in my fantasy league because Justin Herbert only had seven fantasy points there. So I still wound up winning that game with that. Do you want to hear about this real quick, Dave? I just made a trade in my fantasy football league before we go I into picks. Hate. You want to hear about I huh? fucking fantasy football. Okay. <laughs> Is that a no? no? I have, go ahead, Mommy. <laughs> tell, tell, right. tell me about your trade. Yeah, I'm trying not to throw any salt in the wounds here with you. I, I know you're having a tough season there. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to sidestep that for the moment there so I don't hurt your feelings. But um, I have traded Raheem Mostert, who you kind of hit on with the Dolphins there. A-Chan, the rookie, is supposed to be coming back over the next couple weeks. And, obviously, Dolphins' defense does not look all that explosive against good teams. So I've traded Raheem Mostert and I've traded Jordan Addison from the Minnesota Vikings, who Justin Jefferson is only supposed to be coming back in about a week or two there. And with Josh Dobbs, that is a downgrade from Kirk Cousins, even with the nice victory there. So I've traded both of them and I am getting uh, Rashad White running back from Tampa Bay, who had a very nice game this past week in that um, the Tampa Bay Houston game there. Uh, and I'm getting him and Drake London, the wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. I mean, Drake London is definitely uh, a nice uh, nice yeah. little player. That's mm-hmm. for sure. If you look at them statistically, you'd probably give the advantage to who I'm trading away. But because, like I just said, the two guys I'm trading away, I kind of don't expect to see a lot of fantasy points out of as we go further in the season. I think this is adequate risk and reward here. So that's what I'm going with. I mean, the whole concept of uh, of uh, fantasy football is risk and reward, right? Where you draft mm-hmm. a guy, you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, it, it you never really know where it's going to go, but I definitely uh, – I don't hate the trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean – Meanwhile, the league where I'm struggling, I just lost Goddard to IR. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. While I'm sitting in last place at two and seven. Oh. The only thing 
The only thing that actually is crazy to think about is I am only technically two games out of sixth place because oh good we have sixth, seventh, and eighth are all four and five. So oh, okay. I'm, I am not dead, but I I need to nail whatever. I don't know what waiver wires to go after. I mean, I'm think I need a quarterback. I got Justin Fields and Jordan Love at quarterback. They're both shit in the fucking bed on a weekly basis. Mm. Like, I mean, it's it's literally fucking embarrassing how bad my quarterback play is. I'm guessing at this. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm guessing at this point, Levis and Stroud are probably both taken, right? Oh hell yeah, dude! This yeah. is a keeper league, man. They were drafted. Oh okay. <laughs> you were right. gonna say, right. like the best quarterback option I have is either Geno Smith or Baker Mayfield or Taylor Heineke. I'm not taking Bryce Young out of Carolina. Get the hell out of here. No, Baker, I think you'd probably do okay with. He's not going to be spectacular or anything, but I, I don't think he's done badly this year. Yeah, and then, like, I need a running back. I need a wide receiver. I I I need God to step in and save me. <laughs> That's basically what I need. Yeah, I get you. And you have Pollard, too, right? Yep, so does Amanda. Me and her were very unhappy on uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I may trade him next, truthfully. Because, like, I, I have Pollard, Henry, and now White as my top three running backs. Henry has restored my trust in him over the last few weeks because I thought it was a little dicey at the beginning of the season. Pollard, I'm thinking about moving. Yeah, my running backs are Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, A.J. Dillon, and Latavius Murray. Mm. Yeah. You could be, yeah. like, you could be worse than that. That doesn't sound totally terrible to me. Yeah, I mean, the guys available are Antonio Gibson, Joshua Kelly, Chandler in Minnesota, Perrine in Denver, Vaughn in Tampa Bay, Edmonds in Tampa Bay, Rico Dowdle in Dallas, Mitchell in Baltimore. Isn't he the dude that just fucking went off? Yeah. I was going to mention him if he was. I was going to ask if he was available, actually. Yeah, that's that dude. I I am literally, I'm, I'm about to drop every dollar I have. I need, a, <laughs> I, I need a fucking running back so badly. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I I lost Cam Akers for the season because I had him. My 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 thought in picking up Cam Akers was his ascent would probably coincide with Mostert's descent after HN comes back. And now that's completely out the window. So that's why I had to make a trade to at least give me two running backs I feel solid about. And then we'll see what happens with Pollard. Would you yeah. trade him for Jonathan Taylor now? Tony Pollard? Yes. Uh, I'd probably want a little bit more just because Pollard, did, like, he leads the le- he leads all running backs in touches. Ah, okay. I did not know that. That's good to know. Yeah, so I would probably want a little bit more for him, but, like, I wouldn't ask for, like, the fucking farm. Yeah. His wide, the, the dude who has Taylor in my, in my league, his wide receivers are nothing really to write home about. So that make that makes it a problem because Taylor is like literally the only person on his team I would want. Dude, I'm just saying, like, I don't want to go mm-hmm. down the fan rabbit hole because there's other things to talk about. But sure. I went into here with Justin Fields and Jordan Love as my two quarterbacks. Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Tony Pollard, George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, Romeo Dobbs. 
Dallas defense. Like those were the foundational people. Like, and I'm two and fucking seven. I feel like, so bad. That is a my draft. I'm like, look, I might not win it all, but I have one hell of a chance to make some fucking noise. I would think that too with that roster. Yeah. Yeah. No. Every fucking week, I p- played the wrong quarterback, and it literally. <laughs> Literally cost me. For if I played Love in Week One and Week Two, and played Justin Fields in Week Three, I'd be five and four instead of fucking two and seven. Well, I'll say this to make you feel better, and I just thought of this last season. I actually went two and twelve, and I don't think I won a game until Week Eleven of last season. Well, I I will be honest, and, and for all my bitching and moaning that I'm doing. Uh, I I care the most about my big money league. Mm. In my $50 buy-in leagues, I'm 7-2 and two and in first place in the one league. And then I'm 5-4 and four in my ESPN league. And I think that puts me in, like, fourth place right now. That's so, like, bad. I mean, yeah, like, I'm sitting here fucking – Complaining, but uh, yeah, I'm tied for fifth. Second, uh, two teams tied at uh, three teams tied at second at six and three, and me and uh, another team are tied at fifth at five and four. So, like, I mean, you know, if I managed to win both those leagues, I, I would lose any sleep over the money that I lost in my big money league, but. Gotcha. My big money league is a 11 years strong of a keeper league, and that's the one where most of the shit talking takes place. So I really like to win that one. I get you on that. That makes sense. I get it. Not but you're right. First place is eight, first place is 800 bucks. So, oh Jesus, yeah. Hear you on that. I think first place is like six or seven hundred in my league, something like that. But anyway. You kind of said it best. We can move. We can move off this. Just wanted to bring it up real fast there, and we can go into picks for this week, NFL Week Ten, and just to recap where we're at. So we picked Miami, Kansas City last week. I picked Kansas City. You picked Miami. We both had Philadelphia beating Dallas. We both had Baltimore beating Seattle, and we both had Buffalo beating Cincinnati, which we both lost on there. You come out two and two at twenty and twenty-five on the season heading into this week. And at three and one, I am one game ahead of you on the season at twenty-one and twenty-four. So that is where we are at heading into week ten. And I believe I, I go first this week, right? I do believe you are correct, sir. Okay. So it is time for Aglia Loro's aggravation. And I'm going to leave it to you because obviously we know what the obvious game for the aggravation of the week is. I, I, It's up to you whether or not you want me to pick it. I have another game I could pick for the aggravation of the week, though. If you're, if you're going to tell me your aggravation of the week is Dallas versus the Giants, my friend, then you really, really overthink these things. Because okay. if Dallas loses to the Giants, I mean, that is – that's fucking okay. – so the game I will be picking for the aggravation of the week is the newly acquired Rashid White of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay taking on Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. 
Now that's an aggravation right there because I, I just get Rashad White and sure enough, watch something bad happen. And now I got both my running backs in that game. So we got that. And I think this should actually be an entertaining matchup anyway. Tennessee, even with the loss last week, I think over the last couple of weeks, they have played better with Will Levis, a quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, we talked about Mayfield. He's actually done decent running that offense. Good running back in white, good receivers in Evans and Godwin. So, and they did put up 37 points in that game against Houston there. So that's still a pretty good team. So, like I said, I think this will be a pretty interesting matchup. I will give the edge to Tampa Bay, though, simply because they are the home team. So who do you got? So I think um, I think Tennessee is a better team with Levis. Um, uh, and I think that you saw that Thursday night. You saw it the week before. Um, and I think he he's going to make that team better. And with that being the case, I just – I mean, they literally almost won on the road in Pittsburgh in a primetime Thursday night game. So – I'm I'm going to go ahead and, and take Tennessee to win this game. All right. Always nice to start off with different picks here. We got to make up some ground somehow here. I have so to try. now, yeah, absolutely. So now it is time for Hastings highlight of the week. Ooh, there are games that I am between but since we both picked two I get to do both of them so or wait is there three? Oh no there might be three no there's two two for sure third one I'll see if you want to pick it after we get through our four uh, so your first one uh, for me is, is division matchup um, you know two teams in the AFC North going head to head uh both teams, yeah, you know, I mean, this is a huge, huge game when it comes down to the standings. When you got Cleveland Browns at five and three, the the Baltimore Ravens at seven and two. Uh, Baltimore is looking like a completely different team uh, at home compared to the road. Um, they've already beaten Cleveland once this year, um, and. When you look at it, I just it, Baltimore is just playing out of their mind with that Cleveland defense. This is going to be uh, what we like to call good old bully ball. Um, you're going to see guys getting hit. Uh, you're going to have your classic uh, old school AFC North battle. Um, the only thing that would make it a little bit better is that there's going to be a little bit of snow, uh, which I don't know the weather for Baltimore, um, but I know they're not calling. I don't think they're calling for any bad weather this weekend in Jersey. So I think, yep, nope. The wonderful girl, girlfriend just confirmed they're not calling for bad weather this weekend in Jersey. So that there's a good chance it's probably not much bad weather in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. I'm going to go with Baltimore at home. Winning another sweeping Cleveland. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'll say this. I think Cleveland's got one of the best secondaries in the league right now. And they, they have been playing at a very high level this season. Ball, you look at what Baltimore did to Seattle last week. And they are playing at home like you mentioned here. Yeah, I, it should be a very interesting game to watch here. But I'm going to go with Baltimore on that one, too. 
So I think with that, so I do see two games that are very good here. I'm going to go with the game I think you wouldn't pick for the highlight because I think the other game is a much better highlight. But sticking with the whole my fantasy players are playing against each other this week, you have Nico Collins on the Houston Texans along with C.J. Stroud going into Cincinnati to take on T. Higgins and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals. These are two teams, again, I I think what you're seeing with Stroud, he's been been decent at times this season, but of the rookies, I look at him as the one who's been most consistent so far this season, and we saw the culmination of that last week. And the Bengals, early season struggles, definitely been getting some things together over the last couple weeks. They look a lot better. So I think it'll be an intriguing matchup. I I I, w- I would love to see Houston go in and pull out the shocker and really kind of announce that they're legit. I don't think they're there yet, though. So I will go with Cincinnati. What do you got? Well, Amanda agrees with you on Nico Collins getting the ball as much as possible. Oh uh, yes, oh yes. Ir- ironically enough, I have Tank Dell, so we were <laughs> kind of going against each other uh, this past Sunday. No we doubt. weren't playing against each other, but we were kind of going against each other when it came down to uh, who we wanted to get the ball in Houston. Um, you you won. You won. I win. Uh, but that's in the league where I lost. So mm. uh, it is what it is. I mean, she she's holding on tight, though. I helped her do her draft. Uh, her, her draft grade we got, was, or I'll just say I got, uh, the draft grade was a D plus. <laughs> um, but she's three and – Four and five. Four and five. She is on the outside looking in right now, but she plays the first place team this week, and a win against them could really uh, put her in the mix against uh, top six make the playoffs. So, and the, you're playing Paul, the number one team. So, see what happens to really mix up the, the playoffs and, and, you know, give everybody a chance to hope to, you know, take down that number one team. But either way, um, I just think the Bengals are the better team. Uh, playing at home, if they're playing in Houston, I, I think Houston would have a chance. Um, but CJ Stroud playing, you know, rookie quarterback on the road. Um, you know, Cincinnati's offense gets all the praise, but people forget they actually have a pretty good defense too. Um, so I, I just think when you look at the rosters top to bottom, um, you know, and, and the experience, uh, I just I just got to take Burrow and, and the Bengals winning at home against Houston. Mm-hmm. Yep. And all I will throw in on that is four and five. That's striking distance right there. So that's that's not too bad. Not four too and bad five in seventh place. She's in a good spot. I just got to look at, yeah. at the fire with her and see if there's any moves she can make. I, mm-hmm. screwed, I screwed her so bad. I feel horrible. I didn't even realize that I did it. I had her draft DK Metcalf. And Tyler Lockett. Huh. Okay. You I don't, don't hear know that how every I, day. I don't know how I let that freaking happen, but I know that's one of the main reasons they gave her a D plus. Like, <laughs> you just can't can't be drafting the two top wide receivers on the same team because you got to pick and choose. You can't play both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you, you, unless they had Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, you're not playing both of them. I do concur. So yeah, I really let her down on that one, but um, but you're yeah. admitting it. So 
Oh yeah, no, I I I apologize. <laughs> I was like, oh crap, I know that's the main reason you probably got a D plus. But either way, <laughs> all right. So yeah, Addy at home. Um, so one of my other highlights of the week, man, we got a very intriguing game. Yeah, we uh, do. San Francisco 49ers on the road in Jacksonville. Ooh. San Francisco coming off a bye after losing three in a row after they beat the Cowboys. So, ha, 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 fuck them. Um, okay, that, I, know that was, I know that was childish, but fuck Get them. it out. Get it out. No, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Uh, I'll hate the 49ers till the day I die. I just can't help <laughs> I don't actually hate any of their players. I just hate the team. Uh, but of course, both, of course. Both teams actually coming off a bye. Um, one o'clock game with a West Coast team traveling all the way to the Eastern time zone. We know the impact that can have um, at times uh, for certain teams. But you got to figure McCaffrey a week to get healthy. Uh, Debo Samuel a chance to get healthy. Uh, Trent Williams a chance to get healthy. Purdy a chance to, you know, get a little further from that concussion. I still think they rushed him back faster than they should have. Like, there's a lot pointing in the 49ers' favor. Meanwhile, Jacksonville playing some of the best football over the last couple weeks and then hit their bye week. So, I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, it's going to feel like 10 a.m. for San Francisco. That's a little bit of an early game. But I, I think what makes San Francisco still my favorite in the NFC is the one the two things they can do that matter the most is run the ball and play defense. And I just don't know how Jacksonville slows down their run game. So I I, I just I gotta take San Francisco on the road in Jacksonville. Mm. I will tell you this, to tie it back to fantasy there, you know, if I had to do it over again, if I would have known that he was going to take the first offer I proposed, I would have asked for White and Debo instead of White and Drake London. We'll, we'll see if – but this goes back to what you said long ago. What is the sign of a good negotiation? One where both sides walk away feeling like they could have gotten more? You are – well, best. So. The best negotiations are when both parties walk away disappointed in what they got. There you go. There you go. Always. But, yeah, I'm taking San Francisco in this one, too. I think Jacksonville makes it close. But I think San Francisco is going to come out of that bye with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they've heard all the hype that they're supposed to be the best team in the league. Three straight losses. You mentioned Debo, McCaffrey, and Purdy being a week healthier and all that. I think they're going to come out with a purpose here. And Jacksonville's played real well the last few weeks there. I still think they got some growing pains to go there, and I think this is going to be one of them on Sunday. So those are the games. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to propose we pick a fifth game here because I, I, I'm a little like, – it definitely makes sense that you picked that game. I kind of thought you were going to pick Detroit and the Chargers this that week was, because I – That was the other one. Yeah. So, and I, I purposely did not take that one because I thought you might take that, but we should definitely do it now. And this is, this is another aggravation game for me because I have Sam Laporta on Detroit and I have Justin Herbert and Quentin Johnston on the Los Angeles Chargers. But the one thing you can count on from both teams is that neither one really plays a lot of defense. 
I know the Chargers got Bosa and Khalil Mack on there, but when you think about the Chargers, the defense is generally not the first thing you think about there. So I like this should be a really high scoring game. I would like I would like to think. And you got two really good offenses there, so it should be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think th- I definitely think Detroit can pull this game out. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the slight edge to the Chargers here, coming off the Monday night victory, and they are at, in Los Angeles there. So I will go with the Chargers. What you got, Dave? Well, my friend, I think we found another reason why we're happy we picked this game. Mm-hmm. Because the Lions are coming off of a bye week. The Chargers are coming off of a short week. Herbert's still dealing with the messed up finger on his non-throwing hand. And there was nothing about their offensive performance on Monday night that made me think that they're really as good as they probably should be. Um, And Detroit may not play the greatest defense. But they play some pretty good defense, especially if they can get, if, if they get you in uh, passing situations with like Aiden Hutchinson uh, at the defensive line spot. So I am going to take Detroit beating the Chargers. All right, I am very happy we decided to do that. Good. All right, so that'll do it for picks this week. Did you have anything else NFL-wise you wanted to throw in tonight? Um, NFL-wise? I think we hit everything. Yeah, I think we're good. Good. Basketball-wise, I, I I was – like you had mentioned it last week that the tournament, the in-season tournament starts this week. And it still didn't really click until I started seeing that on the ticker and everything this past weekend. Um, I don't know where we're at in the play-in tournament right now or whatever the hell look for the in-season tournament. I don't know how much you've been watching, but what, what do you think so far? I think it's stupid as hell because I literally have no idea what's going on in the tournament. I don't know what the bracket <laughs> is like. I don't know. Like, I'm literally on my phone right now trying to get a, like an idea but like I mean the only part about it that I love are the new courts like the special courts that they made like are pretty badass um so mm-hmm. big fan of those um but I genu- I genuinely I don't know I have no concept of actually how this works like Chicago lost their first game in the tournament against the Nets but then they just played last night and they won. I don't know what that means. Like, is that because they didn't play Nets? So, if I if I'm not mistaken, it's like a round robin type format. But beyond that, I really have no idea. Yeah, like I I I I don't get it. I literally just I don't understand it in any form or fashion. <laughs> what is happening and look I, I get it right like i mean if i had the time to actually pay attention like fully i probably would have a clearer understanding but i don't really understand it what i understand is that denver is still arguably the best team in the western conference and right now boston looks like probably the best team in the eastern conference and when it's all said and done uh, i care more about the nba playoffs than an in-season tournament that they threw together 
just to literally figure out a way to increase ratings. Fair enough there. All right. Did you have anything else sports-wise you wanted to bring up tonight, then? Um, I will say that the uh, I was dying when I saw that the, the Lakers literally contacted the NBA. Um, because they're not getting, a, they're not shooting enough free throws in a game in in games right now. So they sent they sent videos to the NBA to question calls. Like, how are we? I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. But I mean, that takes that takes complaining to the refs so much further than it really needs. To, that's fucking horrible. Yeah, like I mean, well, you got LeBron James on your team, so I mean. True. He's got to do what he's got to do to to try and show that. I mean, he's still a freak of nature. I mean, I saw somebody post the other day, like after a Lakers game, where they were like, "Can somebody please tell me what planet LeBron is actually from? Because he's not human." I mean, dude is thirty eight, going on thirty nine years old, and he'll be thirty nine, and he might have already turned thirty nine. I think it's October or November. He turns thirty nine, so. If he's not 39 yet, he's going to be 39 soon. And athletically, <laughs> talent-wise, and everything else, he's still one of the best players in the league. So, mm. I mean, that's just freaking crazy. But besides that, I mean, Anthony Davis is good sometimes and not good at times, and the rest of their roster is okay. So, I mean, you're still looking at Denver. Uh, if Denver stays healthy, I think they're still probably your favorite in the West. The East, I'm assuming it's going to be Boston, but, um, yeah. And then we still haven't really seen how the Clippers are going to mesh with Harden, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard. Like I said, 10 years ago, you put that roster together, they probably win in several championships in a row. Um, but... I'm curious to see how, how that all unfolds. Mm, right on. Yeah, and I guess we can move off that. The only thing I got pop culture-wise, this uh, so the Marvels is coming out this Friday. And based on some reports that have come out recently, I guess a lot of reasons for hesitation going into this movie. I'm hoping this movie doesn't suck. But it just seems like there's been a lot that has come out behind the scenes over the last few weeks in terms of general turmoil, in, um, like I said, beyond the scenes in uh, in Marvel there. Yeah, I mean, all I know is they released the newest, the newest trailer uh, last night during the Monday night game. Mm-hmm. And it ends with, like, remember when they, like, uh, travel through space like it kind of looks like a like almost like a cube and they like shoot through one of the holes okay like do you know what I'm talking about well I didn't see the trailer and I heard there was a cameo in it but I have not gotten a chance to see it I, I think I know what you're talking about though <laughs> so so they, they end it with oh my god they're coming and it's hard to tell who's showing up but it kind of gave me a Fantastic Four vibe. Huh. I could be, can, I literally could be 100% wrong. But that was kind of the vibe it gave me. And I'm very, um, 
Yeah, uh, that that trailer got me more excited for the movie than any other trailer that I've seen. But no matter what, I am excited for the movie because I genuinely enjoyed Miss Marvel. Uh, I thought that show was good. Mm-hmm. So the way they ended it with you know Captain uh, Captain Marvel showing up and her basically going what the and they cut the scene and end this here uh end the season um yeah got me pretty excited for it and uh yeah so i'm curious to see what they do and how they go about it but there's definitely um the the newest trailer talks stuff about the multiverse and things like that and i'm very intrigued to how they're gonna end uh season two of loki because i get uh from what i've read it ties right into the Marvels. Like they tie Marvel tied it or like timed things the way they did because they wanted Loki to tie into the Marvels. Interesting. All right. I, well, I definitely got to check out. The, <coughs> excuse me. Definitely got to check out that trailer. Now I did not know. I might've heard that, that they were tying Loki into the Marvels. Like I know the end of Loki is going to kind of be the jump off point that we kind of go into secret wars and the Kang dynasty and all that stuff with, but I listen, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really hoping Marvel starts to kind of come out of things. It definitely seems like they're paying more attention to some of their disappointments recently, which is good. I, 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 you know, any changes they can make to bring us back to where we were before Endgame and infinity war, I'll be perfectly fine with. Anyway, yeah, I, I, oh, good. I just the YouTube link so you have it. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. This way, you don't even have to go looking for it. But cool. Yeah, it's it. it there's that, that trailer was out of all the trailers. Um, that one got me more excited, uh, for the, for the movie than any of the previous ones. Mm. You'll see exactly the things I'm talking about. Like, yeah, so check it out. And, uh, definitely feel free to text me your thoughts. But uh, yeah, the multiverse is, is definitely a huge part of it. And I think there's, I got a feeling this movie is going to tie some things, like not tie things up, but kind of give a clear idea of what the hell's been going on since Endgame. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I already told Amanda, I'm like, you got to watch everything with me in timeline order because. Some of the questions that she has, I'm like, well, it would make more sense if you saw this or mm-hmm. yes. This. So I, I, whole, I gotta at least wholeheartedly. A... Oh, I was just gonna say, I wholeheartedly agree there. Yeah, especially with Loki, because there's some confusing shit in there. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, man, that's uh, pop culture wise. Uh, that's really it, man. I I told her on like Saturday. I was like, I'm so disappointed. We gotta wait till Thursday for the final episode of Loki. Yep. No, I agree. It was funny. We were at the hotel. I still brought my laptop. I still watched my. I still watched the fifth episode of Loki after the freaking welcome dinner for the wedding. I was just like, I am not missing this. I was a little disappointed by that episode. So hopefully this hopefully this finale takes it takes it home pretty good, but. I thought that would. I thought episode five was a little bit of a letdown from what had happened previously. See, I kind of I liked it because it kind of gave you a chance to see all all the people from the TVA and in, in the lives that 
you know, mm-hmm. especially Mobius, like, you know, getting him to see him in the life that he used to live. Um, kind of appreciated that, but I do get where you're coming from there. I mean, yeah, because I, always- I didn't. Di- I, oh, I'm sorry, Dave. I was just going to say, I didn't dislike the episode. I just thought coming off of, you know, the high of where we were at the week before, which is a little bit of a letdown there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I get what you're saying, but I mean, it was nice mm-hmm. to just some of the TVA people doing what they were doing. And, um, yeah, I mean, once things started to disappear, I, the only thing I would say is I wish they kind of went more of the, uh, dust route of Endgame or, um, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. Like instead of the string thing that they're doing, but I mean, I guess it's a little bit different when you're just being snapped out of existence compared to existence itself just exploding. So I, I but, don't disagree with you though. I'm not the big fan of the spaghettiizing e- either. So, uh, no. But Hey, I mean, you gotta, you gotta kind of separate the two, right? The infinity mm-hmm. taking you out. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see, man. I, I'm until I'm completely disappointed with Marvel. I'm going to, I'm going to keep stay keep on that train. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm still looking forward to where it goes. I think it will rebound. So hopefully it happens soon. But I think with that, we'll get out of here for tonight. Thank you to everybody for listening to us on all the various podcasting outlets, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Bullhorn, Rate, Like, Share, Subscribe, Do, All the things like i said we'll get out of here for tonight let's do some final thoughts dave hastings my friend i'll always enjoy your enthusiasm uh ask people to follow us and subscribe so never never change who you are but good time as always and uh until next week thanks as always dave always appreciate it man And I am Mike Agliolaro. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all next week.